Welcome to the Leadership Playbook. My name is Emily Hawkins. How I used to introduce myself is, I have 15 years in supply chain, creating and leading teams, streamlining processes, managing millions of dollars. Except that's not what I do anymore. I'm a career and life coach. And I wanna take you on the journey of how to lead yourself, how to take your career to the next level, whatever that may be. I'm gonna give you tangible advice on exactly how to do what you want to do. Lead and love your life. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership Playbook. I am joined by my friend, Lauren Eckert, and I have to tell you, she is a dear friend that I feel like I've known for maybe 70 years. Like we were old ladies together in a former life. I don't know. Um, she was brought into my life through my mastermind. Um, I'm a part of a business mastermind. And when I even hear that or say that term, it sounds so boring and like where you're going to sit in a room with people and talk about sales strategies. And I don't think we've ever done that actually as a group. It's usually about how to lead ourselves, how to inspire our teams, how to empower the people in our networks, whether they're in our lives, um, currently they're on social media or whatever, to create positive change in their lives. Um, We're all transformers in a way, Um, not like the cartoon, but like (laughs) the transforming others and, and helping them see possibilities in themselves. And when I first joined this mastermind, I'm the person that needs the gold star and everything that I do high achiever. I'm a three on the Enneagram, like, of course, um, where I need to just do all the things. Efforting is my gold star. And I wanted to talk to everyone one-on-one before we went to our first retreat. And one of the first people I talked to was Lauren and we had like 30 minutes scheduled. And I think we talked for two hours. Mm -hmm. It was as if I'd always known you. And what you don't know is what Lauren does, which is very important to know. Lauren is the weaver of tales. She is the person that brings life to stories. And she helps you and anyone in her sphere write their memoir or write their book, whatever that might be. And I just feel so fortunate to know you because what you shared with me the very first time we met, I was talking incessantly as I do when I'm with you. And you were like, no, I love hearing people's stories because there's always something that I gained from it personally. And I was really fascinated by that. And Lauren is one of the best listeners and the best questioners. She always has deep questions. And in fact, I was at a birthday party a couple weekends ago. It was a seven-year-old birthday party. So very bougie, just kidding. Um, it was oh. a pool. And uh, you and I had talked at our recent mastermind about how we don't do surface level conversation well. And I was thinking when we had that conversation, you were like, no, I suck at small talk. Like it is not my thing. And I was like, well, I'm okay at it. Okay. Two hours into this birthday party, I realized that I was trying to go deep with people and they wouldn't go there with me. Like they were just like going to find somebody else to talk to the minute I mentioned anything more than surface level. I found that party so draining. Uh, Cause I was, I was like, I, I need more. I need to like, 
get to know you emotionally. Um, so anyway, I love how deep you go with people and how quickly you go there. It's, it's just fascinating to me. Well, you know, it's funny because I think people associate going deep with not having fun. Like I'm at this party. I want to have fun. I don't want to have deep conversations, but then there's that small group like you and me and other people we know where we're like, deep conversations are fun. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. so fun to get to know people on that level. I think a lot of people are just really scared to, to go deep at, in certain environments for that reason, because it's not associated with lightheartedness, fun and joy, but to me it is. Um, and it's, it's really, what are you, how would you rather spend your time? Right. Anytime I talk about the weather, it means I'm really awkward right now. Mm. That's what I realize. <laughs> like anytime I go to, wow, it's really hot out there or something like that. I'm like, I'm just feeling awkward because no one's going where I want them to go with conversations. Um, and I'm just going to be the awkward person that stands there not being able to say anything if you don't really want to take on a deeper level. And that's why I appreciate about you. And like you said, from that very first conversation, because you're like, I'll go wherever you want to go. Like, let's talk about anything. And it's one of my favorite things about you. Like, I feel like we could have a stack of cards with random like topics and we could just pick one and have like a two hour conversation on whatever that random topic is. A hundred percent. And I know that that has to do a lot with your background as well. And what I find most fascinating, I didn't know this. Uh, We voice message each other periodically and you just dropped on me that you were in HR for years. I didn't know that. Like we have never, we've never talked about that because it's surface, right? We just don't talk surface, but it came up because you were like, I understand, you know, where some of your folks are because I was in HR and I was like, what? Um, So I want to know what was that shift that you made from HR to writer? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think the writer part has always been a part of me. I mean, ever since I was six years old, I knew I wanted to write. I would spend all my time creating stories and writing those stories. And then around the time of nine or 10, it started shifting to more essays. Like it wasn't just journaling, but it was really being able to capture my thoughts on different issues in the world. And they were pretty deep at that, that age, you know, always reflecting back. I'm like, wow, like that should have been the first sign of my parents that there was something there with the writing. Um, but you know, it's, it's viewed as a hobby. Anything creative is usually viewed more as a hobby and a big shift happened once I hit high school and, you know, we were doing writing and, English class. And I stood up in front of the classroom, shared one of the stories that I wrote. Everyone's crying in the class. And then the teacher hands it back to me after she graded it. And it was like a C minus or something ridiculous. (laughs) And I'm like, wow. So even though everyone was moved by the story that I wrote, because maybe the grammar wasn't perfect. It's a C minus. And there was nothing about how good the story actually was. And that was a huge shatter to my ego and my my confidence at the time. Um, so from there, I was like, okay, I now I have to figure out what I'm actually going to do in life. And I love psychology because I've always loved people and the stories and who they are. And so I started off with psychology and sociology. And then through a series of events ended up curbing into HR, which is what my uh, master's degree is in. 
And I didn't know it at at the time, but really it was, you know, bridging my love for people just in a different way. Like I always wrote about people. I would meet someone and then like write a story about them, like 10 seconds after I met them, because my imagination would just take off. I would listen to songs and I would create an entire story based off of the song because it just, it fuels my imagination. Like, what are they writing about? Who are these characters that they're talking about? Um, And so when it came to HR, as you know, there are a lot of great stories in HR. You really get to know people on multiple levels. Um, But it was hard because you have to come at this very professional angle and you can't really go too personal with people. Um, But one thing that I, I was able to recognize is that I could really tune into people's strengths and see them for who they are in that way. And that's always been one of my like superpowers, right? It's really being able to see like people's potentials and potential and their, and their strengths and their skills and their talents and be able to bring all of that together and be like, okay, maybe this is a direction you could go in applying all of this. It's like a real life assessment, right? Don't take the assessment. Just come talk to me. You're the same way. hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> um, so HR was a great, um, ended up being a really great path in that sense because it allowed me to put new skills into play mm-hmm. um, that I wouldn't have been able to fully develop with writing. And it was being able to see people and how they interact in different elements, um, especially throughout the corporate world, right, with all of the different levels. And so it was one of those things where, you know, even though I knew since I was young that I wanted to be a writer, you typically get off track from your little girl goals. It just tends to happen. (laughs) But it was through that that I kept realizing that even though I'm getting a lot of great experience and insight and perspective that I wouldn't have had otherwise, there was always this boulder like sitting on my chest, almost feeling like I was suffocating all the time because I knew it still wasn't my greatest potential. I felt like I was helping other people reach theirs. Mm -hmm. I wasn't doing it on my own. And, um, it was after I had my, my first baby, um, where I tried to go back to work after maternity leave. And I was like, I, none of this matters to me anymore, (laughs) you know, because you, in HR, you, you end up facing a lot of situations that arise, a lot of drama that comes up, uh, and I was like, none of this matters to me. Like, does it really make a huge difference in the life and in, in the world? And um, I realized right then that I had to do something that did mean more to me. I did need to make a, an impact in a bigger and greater way that actually aligned with my strengths and my talents. And I always knew writing was right there. So I ended up getting back into writing as a result. Um, my kids kind of leading the way because I wanted to prove to them, like, if you have big dreams, go after them. Mm-hmm. Don't just take the practical path because you feel like you have to like chase your dreams and step into them and, you know, show them that anything's possible. So then I got back into writing after a two and a half decade break <laughs> from, it, from pursuing it. Um, so that, that was the big, I, I feel like sometimes you have to have the deep enough why, right. To really oh. get back pursuing what you, what you know, your heart truly wants you to do. I feel like we, we know like it's that weight. Like for me, it was this boulder that kept growing and growing and growing. And it wasn't until I like 
actually started taking action and pursuing writing again, that it fell off. And I was like, oh, this is what it's like to be free and not carry this boulder for so many years, telling you that you're just not, you're not doing what you know you really need to be doing with your life and with your time and with your energy. The thing that, oh no, I freaking love that. And what I love most is how humble you are and the fact that you are not sharing that not only did you have that realization, but you help people realize that every single day in your writing programs where you're like, you can create a memoir and it doesn't have to be this insurmountable, I'll do it when I'm 70 years old. Cause I think so many people say I'm going to do it later in life. Um, I read something you wrote a while ago as well about all of us have this thing. Well, if I write this, it's going to piss some people off in my life. And you're like, you can't go into it like that. You have to go into it, just sharing everything and then deciding later what you're going to include in all the things. But like, don't let these little things hold you back. I don't have the time. I'm going to make people upset. I don't know how to write, you know, all these things that you you're helping people see that this doesn't have to be something they do later. It can actually be a priority. And if it's something they've ever wanted to do, it's sitting on their heart for a reason. Absolutely. I mean, you know, we've talked before, of course, about when you have a book idea and if you don't pursue it, you know, eventually someone else will. And I call that the golden butterfly. Like that's always been my theory that the golden butterfly is is an incredible book idea and it comes and it lands on your shoulder because it chooses you. Mm-hmm. And the reason why it chooses you is because with that idea and your life journey, the combination of who you are, your experiences, your knowledge, your skills, your ta- your talent, your passion, your your feelings, like everything all combined is what it takes to really make this idea come to life in the way that it's supposed to, to have the impact it's supposed to have. Like there's certain people waiting for this idea to come to life because it's not just about the writer, right? It's about the other people who the words and the story ends up affecting as well. But the butterfly will only sit there for so long. And what many people don't realize is that, especially with the hundreds of writers I've worked with, I have writers who come to me or aspiring writers, I should say, who are like, I have this desire to write. I know my story is powerful. I don't really know where to go though. I don't know. I don't have this concept down. I don't, I don't know how to structure it. And then you have other people who come in who are like, this is this clear idea and I cannot shake it. Like, I know this is what the story needs to be about. And the clarity is so evident to them. Those are the ones where I'm like, you have to write this specifically (laughs) because there are people who want to write, who don't have that same clarity that you do on an idea. So if you have that clarity, that golden butterfly, to me, it's heartbreaking to not pursue that because I feel like it's such a gift that other people would love to have, you know? Um, and then I feel like if, if you don't pursue it, then that golden butterfly is going to move to someone else who will take action to bring it to life because there are other people who need it, right? There's like a ticking time happening or time ticking away. And I experienced that. Like I had this idea. So the giver, that book. Uh, oh, I love that book. I can't believe you just mentioned that. Oh, that my book. favorite book as a child. And I mean, for years, I would read it like once a year. And just because it just I, I love it. I love everything mm-hmm. about it. 
So I had an idea with that as an inspiration for a book and I kept putting it off, putting it off, putting it off. And this was probably when I was 18, when the, when the idea first, first hit me, I'm 38 now for reference. And, um, I, I would write it and then I would put it away. I would write it and put it away. And then I started getting closer. Like, I was like, all right, this has to be written. There's a reason this, this is coming in a very important time. I kept getting distracted by other things in life because it was never a priority. Well, guess what? Um, the Hunger Games came out, Divergent came out, like all of right? these movies. And the Hunger Games, especially that one just rocked me because this one was so similar to that on so many levels. And I just remember being so sick to my stomach. Like if I actually wrote this when I felt like it was time, it would have hit the same period as when these, these series, the dystopian genre was very, very hot in that moment. Um, and then I eventually ended up kind of rushing to get it out there. Cause then I was like, Oh crap. Like everyone's suddenly writing dystopian. And by the time I put it out, there are so many, um, comments about how, Oh, this is just another hunger games one or another divergent oh, one. Like, oh. oh my God. I started it years before. <laughs> like it, the only influence I will take is the giver. That was the only book. It was truly you know, uh, not based off of, but um, influenced by, because that was my favorite book. The Hunger Games had no influence over it. Divergent didn't, but now that people are know those. Mm -hmm. So, and that's, I hear that quite a bit, you know, and it, it is, it's heartbreaking. Um, Cause I had a clarity. I had a very specific idea that I did not pursue in time. Oh though. my God. And those books, <laughs> something about young adult dystopia that's like magical to me. Yes. And I think it's a mix of like, what if our world was whatever, right? Because in all those areas, divergent hunger games and the giver, it's this place that you would not want to live in. Yes. Um, but then the stories are told by people. Um, I don't know if you know this fact, but our, the human brain is not fully developed cause and effect. And all of that isn't developed till about the age of 25. Um, and around like 16 to 18, our brain is not fully in like equal size. So the part of our brain that houses emotion is the largest mm -hmm. when we're uh, 16 to 18 years old. Hence why that first love is just so, you know, and so when you tell stories from that place, you can be more emotional. You can yeah. share more pieces of the puzzle than you can from like a 25 year old or a 30 year old. Um, although those are fun stories too, but from a different perspective, right? Absolutely. So when you heighten emotion and you put them in this like matrix reality, um, it's this fun, I don't know. It's, it's going to be my favorite genre forever. Like I will always read young adult uh, dystopia because I just find it fascinating. Um, it's just such an interesting perspective and the giver. Oh, that book is so good. It doesn't shock me at all that you love that book. Oh. I should have been with you too. I love your excitement. As soon as I said it, your eyes just like lit up. Oh, like, that book. Oh, yes. So good. But I mean, it's, um, you know, it's like, even with that book, you know, people can go back and say, oh, it was, it was, um, you know, influenced by Margaret Atwood or, you know, things like that. Yes. Going to find influences and just say, well, this wasn't the original, but you know, that's the beauty of life is that, and why I'm so 
passionate about the importance of sharing our life stories specifically and why I have a little bit more of a focus on nonfiction right now is because um, we learn from each other. We're all here to learn from each other and be influenced by each other. So when people try to talk about it like it's a negative thing, it just blows my mind because I'm like, that's that's the point of being here. So we can influence each other and help each other. And, you know, it's even like the old tales with like Cinderella. There are so many books that have taken that story and then they do different versions of it in different ways. Um I think it's cool. Like, it's not a negative thing. I think it's incredible. I mean, when you think about music and Mm -hmm. how much it's influenced by each other and how, you know, this artist was really into this. And so they created this, which created this. One of my favorite um, groups on the planet, I think they're freaking brilliant, is the Tom Tom Club. Exactly. You're like, who is that? Right. (laughs) Except... (laughs) You have heard the Tom Tom Club for at least 30 years. You just didn't know it. Are you there's, sing a, it? there's a beat. Yeah, I am. I'm going to sing it for you in my terrible voice. Um, there's a beat from it that we have heard for 30 years. It's an actual popular song right now that is using the Tom Tom Club. Mariah Carey released a song, Fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's the Tom Tom Club. And then the Tom Tom Club themselves in the late 70s, early 80s released their original song. It's I'm in heaven with my boyfriend, my boyfriend. Yes, that has been released three different times. It was a hit every time. So it has been around that song and that beat for 30 years. Those people are brilliant because they keep making it. Yeah. So go and search Tom Tom Club and you'll be like, They must be millionaires, right? Um, Another great example is recently um, with Stranger Things coming out. And that song that's really popular from that, again, that song came out like 40 years ago or something, like 35 years ago. And it's hitting the charts again. And that woman is making all this money. When an idea is timeless, it's going to influence people forever. Why else would we quote you know, Roosevelt. Why would we quote? I mean, Teddy Roosevelt is more relevant today than he's ever been because of the man in the arena. And yet when you say, when I say the man in the arena and I could sit here and read that, you're not going to say, oh, you're ripping that off. No, you're like, oh, it's so relevant. It hit my heart right in the right place. So I, I just love what you said, just because I feel like we are constantly borrowing from others and influencing that's the whole point of being on this earth is to interact with other people and bring ideas to life ideas don't happen in like i don't know a a capsule or something they happen when they're you're in a room with other people and you're you hear something from this person and that person and you read this book um i'm sure you know this fact as well that um people who read non no no that's not right people who read fiction People who read fiction are more empathetic. And my thought is because when you read fiction, especially, it's so emotive. Mm -hmm. And so you're really getting into people's heads on, you know, how they feel and different perspectives and all of that. So that makes sense to me. So I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with this, except for the fact that I just believe we're all connected and that great ideas come from everywhere. 
Absolutely. Well, I mean, I think the power of the fiction book is that a lot of times when you're reading nonfiction and someone's memoir, you can always say, oh, well, they, they're they a celebrity, right? Or they had all of this given to them or whatever. And you're separating yourself. You're like, well, that might have happened for them. And that's great. And you're feeling a little, you know, inspired, but you're putting up a wall for why it happened to them and why it's not going to be able to happen to you fiction book that walls removed right and suddenly you're looking at everything that they're doing and you're you're reflecting on your own life and who you are and putting it in the same um box in the same perspective in a lot of ways and that's why a lot of like I know it's not just me I know other readers too like I'll read a book and then when I'm done I'm like I'm gonna go out and conquer the world right I mean it was just a fiction book but she did it I'm ready like I'm jazzed I'm gonna go out there and do amazing things because it's like it allows you to put yourself into who they are and take on some of the same characteristics that aren't just their characteristics but maybe they're ones that are within you and they just have not grown to where they need to be or you haven't you know embraced them enough and so when you you can feel so um, inspired by, and like you said, have more empathy. And there's so much that comes out of it, the power of fiction books. And you said a word earlier too, with, a oh, with, um, the relevancy of, you know, what people share, what people write. And I think anytime you approach anything you write, I mean, even if it's a social media post or a blog or whatever it might be, you always need to look at relevancy and relatability, right? Those are the two things. And the beautiful part about this world I know there's pros and cons to this, but still like, it's so cyclical, right? Like everything happens on a cycle. I mean, it's the same thing. We joke about fashion, fashion's relevant or fashion's in style one period of time, one decade anymore. I think it's like two years. I don't even think it's decades. Right. Two year cycles, (laughs) Uh, maybe even a year, but it comes back around. And I think that's the power of any form of art, whether it's paintings or books or music, there have been plenty of times that popular authors have put out books and it might be one of 10 books that they have out. And maybe some of the other ones were bestsellers. This one doesn't land. People aren't really, you know, um, feeling it. They don't think it's the the best work the author did. Four years later, suddenly that book's on the bestseller list because it's more relevant to that period than what it might've been four years ago. And I think that's the beauty of being able to capture this so much. I mean, more than likely a post that you did on Facebook four years ago, it's not going to show up in someone's feed unless Facebook reminds you (laughs) that you posted it and then you can share it. Books, music, art, those things are around and they stay around. And that's why I think like when it comes to making an impact in this world, like truly one that stays and has the potential to influence people time and time again, being able to document whatever you want, your message, bits of your story, to be able to document and capture it in that way is so powerful for that impact that lasts and lasts and lasts. It does. And, uh, you know, this is a very strange turn that I'm taking here, but for some reason, this is like on my mind. Um, uh, One of my favorite movies is Schindler's List. It's so Mm -hmm. sad, right? It's so horrible. But there's this part close to the end of the movie where he's run out of money and he is like, I should have sold my car. I could have saved like five more people. And he has this swastika pin that he's having to wear right because he's got to like hold up you know that he's a part of the nazi party so that he'll be considered like 
you know, not a target. Um, and he's like, I could have sold this and saved. This is a worth a life. I could have saved more people. And then the movie ends, not right then, but like later on the movie ends. And that man is in charge of like, I'm going to get the the people wrong, but I think it's around 25,000 lives that exist today that are in this world. 25,000 people live today because he saved 1,200, 1,500, whatever it was so many years ago. So he did save all of those people. And I think we forget that when we work with one person, when we help a person, we don't realize the ripple effect of the maybe their mother, their sibling, their children, whatever it is, we're helping more than we think. Yeah. And um, when you put your words out, mm-hmm. I feel like that's just timeless. You're potentially helping somebody. Well, you're definitely helping people you'll never meet. There's so many you'll never meet. But, you know, it could be in 20 years. It could be, you know, It's a Wonderful Life is a great example of this. And it's not even a book. But, you know, nobody went to go see that movie. It was like a complete flop at the box office. And so much so that the copyrights died. Like, it just went away. And TV networks were like, oh, we don't have to pay anybody for this. Let's show it on TV because it's free. And so they started showing it. And now people love that movie. It's like this huge, you know, you mentioned it's a wonderful life and I have yet to meet somebody who's like, what's that? Um, (laughs) Y'all know what that is. Right. Um, And a perfect example of not hitting in its time. But now we just think of it as just like, Oh, that classic, you know, story. Um, And it's also, you know, what one man can really do and they can have. So. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like you said, it's just the ongoing ripple effects that happen, but you know what's the source of everything right it's an action like someone has to take an action and I think that's what people forget when they're like how can I make a difference in this world or how can I you know do something that can help someone else it's an action you don't even have to think overthink it like go out and do one thing and you'll be amazed at the impact it can actually have even a smile. Sometimes I, I had a neighbor she stopped me the other day and she was like because I was gone for a week at our mastermind event in Montana, I came back and she's like, oh, I smiled at her and said, hi. She's like, it's so good to see your smile. You were gone last week. Right. And I was like, yeah, I was. She's like, I missed it. I missed it. It just makes my day so much better. And I'm like, it's a smile. I'm barely doing anything, but I'm smiling at her and you can just see it's what she needed. You know, it's that extra little thing because, you know, she lives alone and um, I, I hardly see any family next with her. So it's just like, I feel like it's that human connection that we all need. And it's such a simple action to make it happen. But, you know, you were talking earlier about me helping people write their books and, you know, this, I started burning soul collective because I knew what it was like to not write my book or many, many years, right? Like I kept making a promise to myself. Well, when I turn this age, then I'll write the book. When I turn this age, and it just didn't happen. There are always all these other priorities. And um, I finally took action, finally started helping other people once I had my books written and published. And so it's just this little thing of, okay, I took action in my own life to reach my dream. Other people started coming to me saying they wanted to write. And so I started helping them. 
I did a free workshop around the time that I first started the company and I was just having fun with it. I was like, if you thought about writing a book, like, let's make it happen. <laughs> like, this is, even if you don't use my help, right? Like, just take those steps. This is all you need to do to get started. Commit to it, all of that. There was a woman by the name of Jennifer Hobbs. She's one of our clients now, but at the time she just signed up for the workshop. She's like, yeah, I've always wanted to be a writer, you know, ever since I was a little girl. And so she took the workshop, she felt inspired. Then she ended up signing up with me for book coaching and um, wrote her memoir. This memoir, which is now published, it's called Calmed. It's about her time as a combat vet in Afghanistan and just everything that they experienced, but more so it's about how do you come back and, um, you know, really the focus is on post-traumatic growth versus post-traumatic oh, wow. Um, it has been what a year since that book was released, but even in the first few months and it just, it continually happens. She has had so many people send her messages and notes about how much this book has changed her life. Mm -hmm. We've had employees who are on a plane for a different event, sit next to someone they're talking, they find out that person's, you know, a vet and they're like, oh yeah, one of our clients just wrote this powerful book, Calmed. And that person said, yeah, I've read it and started tearing up. There are so many powerful stories because she decided to take action to write her book. And those are the things that for me, I get very emotional about because she still thanks me for being the one that helped her get started to inspire her. I was just having fun at that point. It wasn't this like, full focus on impact, right? I was like, let's just write a book. Like, you know, it's going to be so much fun. The impact, the lives that have been changed as a result. You can't plan for that. You can't say I'm going to do this and expect these sort of results. I can't, you can't plan for the incredible emails or messages you get from people who are actually truly touched by your book right? There's no planning. There's no preparing for that. You know, you're, you're touching on something here that I think we all forget is that in writing a book, especially a memoir, it feels self-indulgent. It feels like, oh, I'm going to write about me and I'm going to write 200 pages all about me, not realizing that by you sharing your experience, you're helping others feel seen and feel heard and feel understood because all of a sudden it's really not about you at all. It's about the human experience and somebody not feeling alone that they feel the same way. Absolutely. And God. oh my God, there's hope because you got out of it. You saw the meaning, you know, and I, I didn't, I hadn't gotten to that part yet. I was in the middle. Um, I, I, heard this thing once, and I, I don't know what your opinion is. I would love to hear it, that it's better to write from scars and not from scabs. Mm. So like when you're in the middle of something, mm -hmm. it's a lot harder to write about. And it's actually not really a great place to write from versus a scar. Um, and I, I tend to agree with this because when I'm in the middle of something that's just scabbing over, whatever that might be, um, divorce, job loss, whatever. It's really hard for me to put on. It actually becomes toxic positivity for me. Cause I'm like, I need to hurry up and have meaning from this horrible thing that happened to me. So I'm just going to tell you, 
it's going to be great. Uh, It's going to be awesome. I'm going to be great when really I'm, I need to grieve it and I need to, to mourn the loss of, of the job, the relationship, the time, whatever that was, um, in order to actually get meaning from it and then write from a scar. Do you find that true as well? Yeah, completely. Um, I actually just had this with, um, a client I was working with a few months ago because she she first started writing from this place of hurt still. And she almost wanted her book, this story in her book to be a lesson to this, this experience. She had the people involved in this experience. And I was like, if it's too fresh like that, where you haven't been able to heal. And if you don't have a fresh perspective that comes from hindsight and only hindsight, as we all know from living life, then you should not write about this bit. And another thing you need to consider is that this book is a reflection of you for years and years and years. Is that something that you want to reflect your future self? Like, do you think five years from now, you're going to feel any sort of satisfaction or happiness that you wrote about this from a place of anger and almost like, you know, revenge of mm-hmm. sort. Because the thing is, uh, and I've had this experience with, you know, wanting to get that book out quickly. Luckily, I have the ability to rewrite it, but it's why I don't talk about that book <laughs> anymore until I have a chance to rewrite it because I ended up pushing it out versus really putting in the care that it, it deserved. And um, because it was, it felt so urgent in that time. And the thing is you can't go back to every household that bought your book and steal the book or burn the book, right? Like it's impossible. Once it's out there, it's there. I shop at used bookshops all the time. The books get in new people's hands continually throughout the years. So if you're writing something, you really want it to feel like it's truly, uh, uh, like you said, you've had the chance to reflect back, that you don't feel like you're going to have any regret toward it. Um, now you will continue to grow through life. Right. And you'll be like, oh, wow, maybe my, my views were still a little narrow at the time when I wrote it, but having that time in between to truly still be able to reflect and come to a point of healing, I feel like is so important. So you don't have that, that regret later on. It's different than growth per se. Right. Like it's, it's, um, if it's too fresh, you need that, that change of perspective. And we do this exercise in my courses where we reflect back on your life journey and we really identify the significant events that all play a part into your theme. And we take a look at the transformation that happened to you as a result of the, you know, emotions that were felt, whether it was a reaction or a lot of times these things, these significant events can even happen as a result of our own actions, right? (laughs) Uh, But what was the transformation that happened within yourself? whether it was instantly afterwards or you reflect five years later and you can see the transformation. It's not always positive transformation. Sometimes it's negative transformation, but if you still don't know how you've been able to, you know, positively or negatively um, how you were impacted essentially as a result, you need more time there. If you still can't really see it and you don't feel proud about where you actually are. So that's one of the exercises we do because you want to be able to bring in the things that you can stand behind five years down the road. Yeah. 
Oh my gosh, that reminds me of that exercise we did at the retreat. And I'm going to talk about it from my perspective. So one of the first days of, we just, we did a retreat a few months ago. Um, Actually, it's like a month ago. It feels like 10 years ago. Time flies. Anyway, um, where we did a guided meditation and it was to pull energy from our past. And we had to think of specific events where we felt like our energy was taken from us, that our power for whatever reason was taken from us. And uh, we had to start with a feeling. And it was like something that we might say to ourselves um, and the emotion that we feel there and then kind of start pulling back. And it was easy to go back a week, you know, and kind of think about, okay, maybe here and there. But then the further back you go, the more it's like you uncover these feelings. And I remember when we walked out of that session, everybody in that room was just drained emotionally. And we were all like living in that moment where we felt like our power had been taken from us. And it was like, we need to revisit those moments, I think, more regularly to find the meaning and purpose in them, not to let them have that power, you know? Um, and it made me think, because I had several deep moments there that I I was starting to tear up. And I thought, okay, this is literally what I was thinking. Don't cry. People are going to think you're weak or something, which is hilarious because our group cries all the time. Like I don't know what that was about. <laughs> and I opened my eyes and there were three people at my table crying. And I was like, what? Why did I feel like I wasn't able to do that? It was just ridiculous. Um, but we all needed a moment after that because it was like, oh my goodness. But you just made me think of it because it was like, there are so many moments in our lives. I mean, even you talking about being in high school and you're, you know, this moving piece that you wrote that somehow wasn't, you know, following the handbook of grammar, whatever that handbook is. Remember that handbook we had to have? Harbrace? Harbrace handbook? Is that what it was called? Pretty sure I shredded the pages after that. Right? (laughs) And and now, by the way, they always tell you when you're writing to write the way you talk because it's going to relate to people more. So thank you, every English teacher in the history of the world for telling us about the right placement of commas and periods. And that is important, but get your idea out there, however it feels for you. Yes. And P.S., <laughs> if you worry about that, and that's why you haven't written a book, that's what editors are for. That's why you find a great editor. That's their whole job. You don't have to worry about it. You share your message. You share your story. They come in and they do the grammar approach. But real, I mean, just briefly on what you just said too. One of my favorite quotes is, um, "No man is a no man is your friend. No man is an enemy. Every man is your is a teacher." Mm-hmm. And I love that because when I first heard that, I was like, "Wow!" So if we neutralize our interactions with every single person, whether they were in our lives for five minutes or five years what do we learn from them? Like, that's what it's all about. What did we learn about from them? Because I feel like that's everything. Everything's this learning, this opportunity for learning. And it's the same thing with the experiences in our lives. Like if we stopped looking at them as necessarily good or bad and took them from, what did I learn? How did I grow as a result? It shifts everything in you. And it's even made a difference in my present life. It's not just reflecting on the past, but if I have a bad day, I'm able to stop so much quicker and be like, okay, what am I supposed to learn from this? All right. Got you. Got you moving on. Right? Like it helps me handle those bad days so much better. Um, and just one other quick point to to your what you said earlier, because I think it's really important. Um, 
I think a lot of people, you know, when they hear about what I do with helping people write books, one of the first things they say, especially books based off their life journey, one of the first things they say is, um, but my life's boring. No one would want to read about it. First of all, that's a huge discredit to your own life. You know, you need to honor the incredible journey you have been on because no one is in a bubble. <laughs> no one is in a bubble where nothing happens. And you don't have to look at it as just if you didn't have a big trauma in your life, it's not important. That's not what it's about. It's about the growth and the evolution and what you've learned as a result of everything that you've stepped through. Like that's what people are learning from. The stories just help cement the concepts, but people are actually learning from your growth and your development and the transformations, because that's essentially what's giving them that hope and that inspiration of where they could walk to next. And we're all always one step ahead of someone else, right? Like yeah, everything we go through. And so it's, it's focused on who could really benefit. Well, the old me, for one, who was where I was 10 years ago, she would love this book. So how could you say that no one else wants to hear your story when the old you would love to know, <laughs> you know where your life is going and be inspired by it? I absolutely love that. I could talk to you for 10 years. I, I am going to stop our episode now before we spend 17 hours together. Uh, there's nothing better than spending time with you. I always just feel like a better human being when I'm around you. I think you're just the most amazing person. And if somebody wants to work with you, how do they find you? They can find us at burningsoulcollective.com and burning soul collective on Instagram and on Facebook. And we have a really great program specifically called the soulful author journey that helps first time writers through the entire journey of stepping into what it takes to become an author from writing your book every step to publishing your book to even how do you get it into the reader's hands afterwards. So it's a complete guided course with also 12 weeks of live group coaching. So you can get your questions answered. We are the biggest team when it comes or biggest cheerleaders that you will ever have when it comes to writing your book. <laughs> we get so excited and we provide really great feedback as a result. So you can go into it with confidence and knowing you're taking all the right steps to make your dreams happen with writing a book and to actually make an impact. So that's our soulful author program. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for sharing that. I think you just took the heavy weight off of um, I think most people think when you write a book, it's like a marathon because you're right. It's like the writing of the book. Is this even a good idea? And then how do I get it published? And then how do I promote it? And you're like, I actually have the roadmap of all of that um, because you've done it so many times. And I love the cheerleader aspect because we all need that. We all need that yeah. along the way. Um, well, I am so glad that you were here. This was amazing. Um, and thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for having me, Emily. You know, it's always a joy, true joy, anytime we can chat. Did you love what you heard today and you want more? Sign up for my weekly email in the show notes. It's packed with tips and tricks to lead and love your life. You can also follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram by typing in Emily Hawkins, the number four, the letter U. I'll see you here next week.